What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Evolve You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Brian McElderry, holistic life coach, business mentor, speaker, and author. And on this podcast, we deliver you exciting episodes, not only from myself, but other influential guests that I decide to bring on that can share their expertise in their own unique way. So if you have never listened to this podcast, if you're coming on from my guest platform before I introduce him, welcome onto this platform. Um, if you're a returning listener, all that we ask is you go ahead and rate and review. If you enjoy this episode, go and check out our other ones, share with a friend, family member, whoever you think could benefit so we can spread this movement forward. So with that being said, let's go ahead and hop into today's episode. And we are bringing on another amazing guest, guys. We are flowing with this. As you know, right now, we are doing daily episodes through the month of March uh, in this Transcend series. How can we go beyond our limits in health, business, and personal development to get to that next level? So I'm going to bring on Dr. Richard Harris. What's going on, Doc? Hey, Brian. Good to, good to be on the podcast, man. I always love collaborating with fellow thought leaders and people who are passionate about helping people. Love it. I love it. So, it's amazing how we met. Um, we met at an actual conference um, down in Houston, Texas. And, you know, when I read over all the leaders and the speakers and the presenters, I stopped at Dr. Harris and I was like, <laughs> wow, guys. I mean, when, when you think about, I'm going to ask you this question too. I'm going to open it up. You know, he has a doctorate in pharmacy, uh, doctor of medicine, and now soon to be MBA, correct? Master's in business association, correct? Yes, sir. Two awesome. months. Well, actually, next month. Next, month, man. next, next month. month. So yes. three yes. high level degrees. And, you know, I'm going to open that up to you really quick. Do you know of anyone else that has that trio or at least has, I know there's other pharmacists and physicians mm -hmm. out there, you know, have you connected with them? So I think that's so yeah, unique, I, man. I have, I have. There's actually one guy in my class, his whole family is either MDs, PharmDs or MD PharmDs. Oh my goodness. Which is crazy. So That's there's wild. two people in my same class. I've met uh, randomly other people who did the same thing. I met one guy who was an MD PharmD MBA and I just connected with a guy who's a MD PharmD PhD MBA. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my man. goodness, guys. Y'all thought I was crazy going through my matriculation. Like this, this was so interesting to me, not only from his story of, but also how humble and just transparent and open and always continuously growing and having that growth mindset. So that's something we're going to talk about mm -hmm. today, but we're also going to be diving into keto and how you can utilize this, not only from a mindset perspective, but utilize it to achieve your optimal health. I know a lot of people have questions on this and he has an amazing story and uh, a group that you guys can actually join as well to get more information. So I'm gonna open up the floor to you, Dr. Harris, and um, you know, just tell your story a little bit, where you're from, um, how you mm -hmm. matriculated to where you are now, and we'll kind of branch off on our topics. Yeah, absolutely. So originally I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, born and raised there, moved to Houston, Texas when I was 13. Uh, in Texas, I kind of found my love of science, right? So my initial love was physics, which was mm. uh, kind of interesting. I, I wanted to be a biomedical physicist coming out of high school. I wanted to work on implants and uh, prosthetics. That was wow. what I wanted to do. So I, I got into the University of Texas, you know, great school, great research school. And I studied physics for my first year, realized I love physics, I hated math. 
<laughs> can't get through physics without math i, I know <laughs> no no exactly I, I took like one high level theoretical math you know diffy uh, uh differential equations, equations. yeah and i was like i'm out <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i'm done that's like i'm out i'm going to biology yeah so i switched to biology biochemistry and uh initially thought i wanted to do bench research did mm -hmm. bench research for two years it's like this is way too tedious I have no clue what I want to do. I'm a junior. I was about to graduate. And I luckily worked in the Dean of Pharmacy's lab. And he said, you know what? I think you'd be good for pharmacy school. Why don't you apply? Mm -hmm. So I applied. And because of the connections I made, I, I, I was blessed enough to, to get in. And then my first year in pharmacy school, I realized I wanted to go to medical school. Uh, I, I re First year in pharmacy school? First year in pharmacy wow. school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I really remember the dream I had when I was a kid that I wanted to be a physician. And, and I, that came after I read Gifted Hands by Ben mm. Carson. And that was like my childhood dream. And I kind of went away from that. And then I went back to it. But I was 21 in Austin having the time of my <laughs> life. And I was like, I, I can't leave. It, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot, <laughs> a lot, it was a lot of fun. Uh, this was my pre-saved years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone has that time. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So uh, I, fit, I figured out first year and then I didn't want to quit because I'd never quit anything in my life. And I knew that if mm -hmm. I quit pharmacy school, I would be upset with myself. Like I knew if I hadn't gone to medical school, I'd be upset with myself when I'm older that mm -hmm. I didn't do it. So I finished out pharmacy school, got into medical school, realized that pharmacy school prepared me for medical school extremely well and that I was light years ahead of my classmates and it mm. also gave me a different mindset how I approach disease states so I had you know pharmacists we have a, a strong physiology background that exactly. you don't get in medical school so now I had a strong physiology background and a strong biology background and that's how I combined the two into you know my holistic view of medicine Wow. 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 So for anyone that is thinking right now, like you came to a point, you know, I'm huge on stories and people's story and mm -hmm. I think it molds them into who they become. Right. So at 21, how did you know, or I should say come out of high school. So at 17, 18, mm -hmm. what sparked that interest in, you know, diving into physics? Um, was mm -hmm. it Vince Carson's book or did something, did you see something like, how did you know at that early stage that I wanted to go to mm -hmm. this high level of science? Uh, I found it challenging, all right? And I was that kid in high school that my grades weren't that good because I would make an A the first semester and then I would just completely slack off the second one and make a C because I knew it averaged out to a B. So I wasn't challenged in high school until I got to physics. And because it was challenging, I was like, I like this, right? Mm -hmm. I always like to push myself to always be developing myself. I uh, basketball in high school gave me that growth mindset and it wasn't until I got to physics that I started applying that to academics and learning and then once I realized down this path I just got hungry for more always wanting more I always tell people I'm happy but I'm not content mm. right so I, I'm never satisfied with where I am I, I, I gain satisfaction from continuously growing and gaining knowledge yeah so let's go ahead and kind of, I think that's a great transition point right there in diving into maybe mindset first, because I like to mm -hmm. capture my audience right when um, that thought pops into their minds, right? When they're listening to my guest right. story, 
at what point, because I think people are struggling with this mindset of leaning into mm -hmm. pain and leaning into fears mm -hmm. and leaning into, you know, the challenges of life and they're running or trying to take the easy road, the, the road of least mm -hmm. resistance, right? Right. Tell somebody that is I'm kind of on the brink or what did you learn mm -hmm. about leaning into that a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with me, when I was 21, back at that transition point, I started looking forward because I've always been someone who, who looks forward. I don't really look back and think about the emotions. I look back and say, what can I learn from this? Mm -hmm. And so when I, look, when I was looking forward, I, I, I sat down and asked myself, okay, Richard, when you're 65 and you're looking back over your life and, and collecting your thoughts and, and reminiscing and uh, just a whole overview would you be mad at yourself if you didn't go to medical school mm. and uh, that that question i kept asking myself over and over again and i remember one day it was a saturday afternoon i remember waking up and thinking that you have to do it like you you just have to do it you're going to be mad at yourself if, if you don't do it and you don't want to live with that regret yeah you know um uh, I heard a quote the other day that said that you can fail at taking the easy road. So you might as well fail in doing something that you love to do. Right. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that at the time, you know, I didn't know that mindset, but I was kind I was already shifting over towards that route. Mm. Wow. Okay. So you came into this questioning mindset. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people question, but they don't follow that mm -hmm. intuition or they kind of put it to the side um are there any was there a failure in your life that you kind of experienced that kind of shocked you at an early age mm -hmm. or has that come mm -hmm. maybe later because i think a lot of people mm -hmm. are like oh well high level professionals you know they're smart they've always had mm -hmm. things set up for them right was there anything that happened to you maybe that kind of shocked you at an early yeah. age or like wow mm -hmm. i need to get my stuff together yeah, it definitely did. Uh, uh, I love basketball. You know, I, I set a goal for myself in seventh grade that I wanted to play varsity basketball. That was my mm -hmm. goal. I didn't want to play college basketball because I knew I wanted to move into something more academic, more rigorously yeah. academic at that time. And I tried out in seventh grade. I knew I was good enough to make the team. And I didn't make it. And, and instead of getting down on myself and, and being upset and woe is me and depressed, I went that next year and I was like, no one is going to work harder than me to make this team the next year yeah. and so i went to every basketball camp i was outside for 45 minutes a day in the texas heat i don't, yeah. know, you know, <laughs> I don't know about that oh that my texas gosh heat it's different, it's different. But it's, it is different you know i was 103 with 100 percent humidity and literally you're sweating buckets yeah and i would just i would just i would line up like four or five gatorades and i wouldn't go back in the house until they were all finished until i had i, I, mm. I had earned going back into the house Mm -hmm. And so that next year at basketball practice, I literally had other people coming up to me and say, Richard, tone it down a little bit. You're making us all look bad. None of us are going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so that, that was it. And, you know, I'm so lucky and blessed that at a young age, I had a major failure on yeah. the only goal I had set from, I had only one goal as a seventh grade. That was it. That was my sole single yeah. goal that I was focused yeah. on and I failed. And, and I learned from that moment that I didn't take it as a failure. I said, what can I learn from this? Mm -hmm. What do I need to improve on? I went to some of my friends who were on the team and I said, Hey, what, what can I get better at? What do I need to work on? Like, what should I do? 
Yeah. And they had been playing ball for a lot longer. I'd only been playing for a year at that point in time. Mm. And so uh, I sought out people who were smarter than me in that area, people better than me, people who were more advanced. I listened, I learned, and I worked my tail off. And so that really set the mindset for me as I got older about yeah. failure. I wasn't afraid to fail because I looked at it like it was such a massive learning experience and a character building experience. And I'm now stronger because of that failure. I love it. There's so many people as well that are trying to do things alone, right? They're, they're trying to figure mm-hmm. everything out on their own. And what I got out of your story and your failure is that you asked again, more questions outside of yourself. It's like, I, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do, right? To make the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought right. I was good. And then it came to a point where you had to put the pride aside and the ego aside. And you said, hey, like, I'm going to ask the people, like, what can I improve on? Um, mm-hmm. Do you find yourself with patients or any clients right now where you have to implement some mindset strategies of getting them outside of their head to kind of move forward towards community and mm-hmm. gaining that access to getting to where they want to be, I guess? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's one of the strongest things I have to work with. I'll give an example because this guy has allowed me to share this example. Yeah, I love it. But I I still work part time in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to seeing my own clients. But uh, I walked in the room and it was this young guy, diabetic, uh, was coming in for a a foot infection. And I walk in the room and I'm like, oh man, this is bad. This guy's probably going to lose his leg. You know, that, that intuition and experience you have after you've been doing something for so long most of the time my first intuition is correct yeah and so I I told him I was like look this may happen but uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna set up from this moment on if you make it out of the hospital with your leg what you're gonna do so this never happens again and the first thing I did was I looked at his wife and I said you have to do this with him Mm. I was like he will fail unless you do this with him and I spent the first 10 minutes talking to his wife and then I, I addressed the next 20, 25 minutes with him and going over nutrition. I got him in the keto group, like from the bedside. I was like, join this right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're a young man. He was only in his thirties. You're a young man. You've got kids. You've got your whole life ahead of you. I was like, and you can have it all back. If, if you take the mind, if, if you dive in, if you really dig into this, if you really do this for your wife, for your kids, for the people who depend on you. Yeah. And I went and visited him several times in the hospital, even when I wasn't taking care of him anymore. And he was doing better. He got out of the hospital. We were able to save his leg. And he messaged me about two months after he got out of the hospital. And just this long message, he's praising the Lord. And he's like, I thank you so much. I'm, I'm down 40 pounds. Mm. I'm almost off my medications. You know, I was like, I feel amazing. My wife and my kids notice a difference in me. It's like, I feel like I have my life back. And that was because he, he leaned in. Yeah. Because he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to do the hard things to dramatically change not only the course of his life, but the course of all the lives around him. Mm-hmm. So I do spend a lot of time working on, on people's mindsets, getting them in groups, you know, like the Keto Connected group. Yeah, it holds you accountable, but it also lets you know that you're not alone. Yeah, a lot of people think that they're the only ones that are experiencing this. And I I tell people, there's 7 billion people on the the planet. (laughs) We've existed for 1000s of years, there's no possible thought or feeling that you could have that someone else has not experienced. Yeah. 
right? And so yeah. getting them out of that aloneness, that darkness in their own mind where all these negative thoughts come in and you start to trail off in directions and see things that aren't even there, getting them pulled back in with a group, in with encouragement, in with nurturing, in with people walking with them is the most powerful way to achieve a goal in my opinion. No, I, I definitely agree. And I had a similar situation um, that kind of shocked me on my last year of rotations. I went in, it was a 30 year old man and he had the same situation. And the next day I came in, his leg was amputated. And mm -hmm. at 31 years old, you know, with his diabetes hitting him like that, I was just like in shock that mm -hmm. that's what another thing that just kind of pushed me towards the route that I went. Um, so I'm going to lead that into you. Mm -hmm. Most people might be questioning uh, right now in their heads that, wow, okay, he went, matriculated through pharmacy school, um, went and got the MD. At what point did you transition and say that holistic nutrition and wellness was the answer? Um, when, you're, mm -hmm. when we're diving into these uh, therapeutic treatments and diagnoses and all these things. Yeah, so uh, it was... Early on, it kind of started beforehand when I was about 18. Mm. Um, I remember in our genetics class, my uh, freshman genetics class, we had to do our uh, family tree. And uh, I had never looked at my family tree before. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, we got diabetes, we got cancer, we got heart disease, we got strokes, we have heart attacks, we have Alzheimer's, we have Parkinson's, uh, we have uh, chronic inflammatory disorders, we have autoimmune disorders. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, my genetics are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was dealt a bad hand. <laughs> I was dealt a really, really bad hand. I was like, I need to do everything that I can do to overcome this bad hand that I was dealt. Because, you know, I am the captain of my own ship. I am the master of my own fate. Mm, and so I wasn't going to leave it just to my genetics. And so I started learning more about nutrition at that time. And then I thought through pharmacy school, I'd learn about nutrition. Didn't happen. Thought through medical school, I'd learn about nutrition. Didn't happen. <laughs> doesn't happen. And so for the, <laughs> For the first, it, it's sad, but it doesn't. It really doesn't. And so, for the first year out of residency, I spent a, a deep dive onto nutrition and what's the optimal nutrition strategies. Now, I realize it's super individualized, and we still don't really know. We have some ideas of what's for population level, what's good for a population level, but for the individual, it's really a lot of guesswork and trial and error, mm -hmm. right? To find what works for your body. But the most important factor that I've realized in all the patients and all the clients I've ever dealt with is what are you putting in your body? So the first question I ask, what are you feeding yourself? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what condition they come to me for. It's the first thing I address. What are you feeding yourself? Mm. That's a great segue into our topic kind of today is I'm pretty sure most people are waiting is, you know, this keto craze as people call it, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think you're, of course, have a holistic perspective on this particular nutritional regimen. I don't even like to call them diets, um, as people right. know, <clears throat> but it's a regimen that works well for maybe certain people mm -hmm. or they give it a shot mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. And how do you adjust? So can you give us a little background on maybe what keto is truly for people mm -hmm. that just don't even understand? And then we can maybe branch mm -hmm. off of that. Yeah, Absolutely. So uh, I always like to say nutrition plan, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't say diet either as well, because I don't have a diet. I have a nutrition plan. Mm -hmm. Like everything else in my life, I have a plan. I have a plan for my finances. I have a plan for me and my girlfriend. I have a plan for my career. Mm -hmm. So I have a plan for my nutrition. 
And so keto has been around for a long time. Um, you know, in the early 1900s, it was used for seizures. Before there was medication for seizures, they would induce uh, ketosis in people either by fasting or by a high fat nutrition plan. Um, then it was used also for diabetics. Before insulin, that was a treatment for diabetes, which you would put people on a, a keto nutrition plan. So in essence, what keto is, is a high fat, and I don't say it's a low carb nutrition plan. I say it's the right carb nutrition. Mm. And the reason I say that is because I still eat a lot of carbs. Vegetables are carbs. Yep. You know, most people don't think about that, but vegetables are not proteins. They're not fats. They're, they are carbohydrates. They have sugars in them, but they have fiber. So I like to say it's a high fat, moderate protein, the right carb type of nutrition plan. And the most important way about uh, thing about keto and the thing that we coach a lot in our group is it is any nutrition plan needs to be about whole foods. That is the most important factor in nutrition, whether you're vegan or keto or carnivore or paleo or Mediterranean or whatever you're doing, the most important thing is whole foods. So that's what we do in our group. We coach people through a whole food nutrition plan that is based upon the, the principle of getting people into ketosis. Wow. So if someone's listening right now and they're considering, how did you kind of explore um, mm -hmm. this nutritional plan? So there was so many options out there. You said, I believe I'm going to take a lead on this and I'm going to use it for myself in a moderate mm -hmm. form, but I'm now going to coach and teach people about the benefits. Where'd that come about? Right. Uh, so it, it happened when I was working at an outpatient group, I met some people that had done, uh, started keto. And this was back when the, the whole phase was just first starting. And I had known that, you know, from my powerlifter days that bodybuilders would do keto before their competitions to cut. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what I had known from keto, uh, in my own experience. And so I said, okay, I've never done a literature deep dive on keto. I was like, okay, so let me get in the literature about this. And I spent about three months reading every single study I could possibly find about keto. The data blew me away, absolutely blew me away. And then I looked at some of the issues that I was having, because at that time I was eating a standard bodybuilder, high carb type mm -hmm. of plan. And I was eating like five or six times a day and I was always tired. I was always hungry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this probably isn't the right strategy for my body. And I have an irritable bowel. I got a really bad infection when I was a kid, and I've had irritable bowel ever since then. And um, I was still having a lot of those issues as well, even though I was eating clean. I was eating like rice and chicken and mm -hmm. some veggies and stuff like that. I was, I was still eating clean. It was just I was eating a lot of carbs. And so I realized uh, maybe I should try this keto thing. It seems to the literature saying it'll help with some of the issues that I have going on. And then I went keto for a month. And my entire life changed. Uh, the irritable bowel stuff was gone. I used to have to take a nap every single day. I haven't napped in years. Fully energized. Yeah. Completely energized. I used to be hungry all the time. Now I did a 72 hour water fast last week and I was completely fine. Yeah. So I, I, I figured out later why this happened because of some of my genetics, but my body responds very well to a higher fat intake than a higher carb intake. So if someone's exploring, that's really good that you kind of mentioned the individualization that you explore mm -hmm. within yourself. 
And would you recommend that somebody get specific testing from their primary care? Um, and what maybe would those be? And, or if they're just exploring to say, Hey, I want, mm -hmm. how do I know if it's right for me or mm -hmm. should I transition mm -hmm. to something different? Yeah. So you can do some testing at your primary care. You know, you can check your inflammation levels. You can check how your body responds to blood sugars. That's always a good indication because if you're already insulin resistant, meaning if you body cannot efficiently make energy from sugar, keto is a good option for you because now you're substituting all those carbs for fats and your body will burn off fat. Um, so that's a good place to start. And then what I, I typically recommend is just like anything else that you don't, if you don't know how to swim, you don't run up and do a cannonball into the pool, <laughs> right? That's yeah. not what happens. You take lessons, you maybe dip a toe in, you see how the water feels, you go from there. And so a lot of what I've seen with people where they fail when they start keto as they go from eating, you know, uh, McDonald's and fast food all day, eating really high carbs, and then all of a sudden they switch over overnight into a, a keto plan. Mm -hmm. I was like, your body's probably not going to like that, yeah. right? And so I switched mine over gradually. I did about a month period where I slowly brought down my carbs and then slowly brought up my fats so my body would adjust. Mm -hmm. And I found that's worked very, very well for a lot of the people we've coached. Now, of course, everybody's different. Some people are able to just switch flip over. cold turkey. Yeah. Cold turkey. Yeah. Usually they'll do that if they'll do a fast beforehand. I found gotcha. that people who might do a fast while they're transitioning are able to transition a little bit better because of some things that happen in the body when you start fasting. It starts preparing you to be successful for ketosis. Okay. There's a terminology dirty and lazy keto. And mm -hmm. There are people that are, you know, just kind of, you could eat Oreos and whatnot and be keto as they right. give them right. an example, right? Can you explain maybe what both of those are and mm -hmm. lean, you know, which way people should go just to educate them a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So you'll see in the media, three types of keto, the strict keto and strict keto are for people who count their macros all the time. And, you know, for most people, that's not an ideal scenario, counting your macros every day. That can lead to some food apprehension, some food anxiety uh, mm -hmm. for most people. Now, my friends who are engineers love it. They'll send me spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit my all numbers all, today. All yeah. All the time. I mean, they love data. They'll just, they, they, I won't even ask them to count. They'll just send me everything. Yeah. But uh, for most people, that's not an ideal way to go. It can help if you're trying to figure out if something's not working where you are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, Chronometers are a really great app for this. It, it, you can count all your macros and it tells you the nutrient contents of food as well. So you mm. can see if you're maybe running into some nutrient deficiencies in your nutrition plan. So that's strict keto. Lazy keto is usually what most people do. Uh, and that's where you don't count your macros. You don't count the carbs, fats, and proteins. For people doing this, the simplest way you can do it is a two to one or a three to one fat to protein carb ratio. So most people will get into and stay in ketosis if they're doing a three to one ratio. If you're active, uh, if you're actively working out, active throughout the day, maybe a two to one ratio is enough to keep you into ketosis. And then the medical protocols for like seizures yeah. or um, neurological disorders, things like that are a four to one ratio. 
And then the dirty keto is what you'll also see a lot online. These are the people who are posting, you know, they're eating Whataburger without <laughs> the uh, buns all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, so they're eating a lot of processed foods, but they're trying to, they're, they're saying it's okay because I'm in my macros, you know, if it's that, if it fits your macros kind of mindset, yeah. which the literature shows that if let's just say you're a person and you have no medical conditions, right? You're just a healthy average everyday individual, no medical conditions. The most important factor in nutrition is whole foods is eating real foods. You know, what I tell people, if it doesn't walk, swim, run, or come from the ground, don't eat it. If it comes <laughs> in a box, don't eat it. If you need a PhD to understand what's on the label, don't eat it. Exactly. Right? That, that's the kind of uh, simple rule of three I use there. So the dirty keto, I do not recommend dirty keto because you're still eating a lot of processed foods. And so you eliminate the benefits of getting into ketosis by putting all these processed foods in your body. You know, we know that processed foods lead to more inflammation, lead to abnormalities in your gut, lead to diabetes and high blood sugars, can lead to Alzheimer's, can lead to cancer, all these really, really bad conditions. A lot of them are, are caused by a high amount of processed food intake or worsened by a high amount of processed food intake. So the long of the short there is just eat real foods, eat yeah. whole foods, even while doing keto whole foods is the most important thing. Love it. Love it. Um, there's something else that typically may concern people. There's signs and symptoms and, and maybe some side effects of uh, doing keto um, that mm -hmm. people are scared of, right? And, and something very common is the keto flu. Um, mm -hmm. Can you maybe expand upon that if someone's maybe concerned about, oh, well, I've heard this and I've heard that, mm -hmm. you know, how mm -hmm. common is it? Should they be concerned? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the most common things I get. The the number one thing is, oh, my doctor told me keto is unsafe, and they're mm -hmm. usually their doctor is like some three hundred pound exactly, exactly. Smokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, in medical school, you know, and in pharmacy school, we're talking about ketoacidosis, which is mm -hmm. a serious life threatening condition. But that only happens if your pancreas doesn't make any insulin. Insulin is the hormone that helps move sugar in the blood into the body, helps regulate our, our, our blood sugar levels. So if you don't produce any insulin, yes, if your ketone levels are high enough, it can make the blood acidic and that can be a serious condition. But if you are producing insulin, then you cannot go into ketoacidosis. It won't happen. Your body will start to, to compensate and kick in mechanisms for what will happen. So keto, unless you're a, a type one diabetic or an uncontrolled type two diabetic is completely safe. Mm. Now, I wouldn't recommend it for uh, pregnant women or uh, lactating women or for kids just because there's not enough research. Um, there are people who do those protocols for kids when they have certain conditions. But the other common thing I hear is uh, keto flu. And what keto flu is, is some people get uh, nausea, headache, fatigue, irritability, just kind of feel like they're sick. Mm -hmm. And it's not the actual process of going into ketosis that causes that. It's two things. It's one, uh, your body is not fat adapted, right? So you're still used to burning glucose, burning sugar, mm -hmm. and now you're transitioning to burning fat. So your body need some time to switch over, right? It's like if you're manufacturing cars and all of a sudden you wanna manufacture uh, 
I don't know, we'll say pans, pots and pans. Yeah. You can't, you can't just flip the switch immediately. There are things that have to change. You have to get different processes, different things have to be taught to your employees. All these different things have to happen before you can efficiently switch over. And that's the same thing with your body. So that's part of what keto flu can be. And that's why I recommend transitioning the, the macros slowly. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is electrolytes. Uh, most people are in a state of dehydration here in the U.S., we don't drink enough water. Mm-hmm. This is evidenced by what's the first thing that happens when most people come into the ER? They get a bag of fluids. Exactly. Like almost, I'd say about 90% of people <laughs> when they come to the ER get fluids, yep. right? Because most of us are dehydrated. And then you throw in keto and what happens when those insulin levels lower, you get more sodium and potassium loss in the body. And you can initially get more water loss. And this is the whoosh effect that some people hear about. Mm-hmm. When the insulin levels lower, your body retains less water. So to, to augment that, you have to take more sodium, more potassium. Uh, I usually recommend people take electrolytes. I use a brand called Replay. They're phenomenal electrolytes. You mix it with a liter of water. It's, just, it's the same as getting an IV. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I recommend people when they fast, when they do ketosis, especially during that first month, take one or two scoops uh, a day. As you shift into fat adaption, as you shift on your whole food nutrition plan, you will start to listen to and better be able to hear the cues of your own body. So I know for myself that I usually get one scoop of electrolytes a day. If I've been faster, if I've had a really hard workout, I know I may need another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most people don't realize you can lose like two grams of, of sodium in an hour of a workout. Crazy. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. And so it, it's, and we've been taught that all sodium is demonized. That's another story for another day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no salt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No salt. But you know, when you're on ketosis, you need that extra sodium, especially mm-hmm. if you're active. So that's, that's how I, I coach people through combating the keto flu and making sure it actually doesn't happen in the first place is that you're prepared for some of these changes that happen to your body once you start to flip into ketosis. Wow. So as, as you can see, we're getting some, hopefully you're getting some really, really good knowledge. You pausing, taking notes. If you're driving, make sure you, Hey, be safe. Okay. (laughs) But but, um, I I really appreciate uh, Dr. Harris coming on and talking and I'm going to transition just a little bit as well into my final question within uh, the keto nutritional plan is the connection now between the mind and the body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what mental benefits have you seen, mental clarity, um, mm-hmm. you know, productivity, things of that sort that people might be mm-hmm. like, wow, like I feel more, like you said, energized. I feel like I can mm-hmm. focus more. Have you seen any mm-hmm. results from yourself and clients um, or people that you coach inside your group? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll use Brittany's mom as an example here. Brittany's my girlfriend. We run the keto group together. Yeah. And uh, her mom said it, it, she hasn't felt like this since she was a, a kid, as mm. far as her, her mental clarity, as far as her energy, as far as her focus. Now, what we know is when your body flips into ketosis, some things happen uh, at the cellular level. One of them is ketones are 40% more efficient at generating energy in your brain than glucose. Your brain can very efficiently use glucose one of the common rumors you hear out there is, oh, your brain needs glucose. Your brain needs glucose. Your brain needs about 100 grams of, of glucose a day, which it can generate all from its own source. You don't need to put external glucose in your body to generate the glucose that your brain needs. 
So your brain very, runs very, very efficiently on ketones. It generates more energy with less work is the best way I can kind of describe mm -hmm. that. So a lot of times people will see improved mental clarity. They will see improved focus. Uh, ketosis also causes some changes in serotonin uh, and dopamine, right? So this is uh, kind of your happy reward pathways, right? I call them the happy brain chemicals. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason for that is initially ketosis was a, a starvation protection mechanism for our ancestors, right? And yep. so if we were, st if we didn't have food, it made more sense for us to be in a state where we were still happy, still outgoing, still uh, connecting. Because if you got depressed when you weren't eating, we're just going to sit there and you're going to die. Right? <laughs> so you're not going to come up. You're not going to find food. You're not going to work. You're not going to yeah. collaborate. So when you're in ketosis, you do get a, a beneficial change where people become happier. People become more focused. Mm -hmm. People become more energetic. They, they, they have more drive. And this is all because the primary underlying mechanism is now you're giving your brain basically super fuel. It's like putting premium gas in your brain when before you were running on regular. Love it. There's some amazing things that you have shared and guys, please, if you've got to rewind this whole thing, um, I'll link some stuff down in the show notes as well, as far as uh, the chronometer, uh, maybe some things is, you know, his group that he has. Um, but I'm going to open the floor up to you, Doc, and as I always do to all my guests, is kind of lead them into what's next for you. So how are you evolving? I know you have some amazing mm -hmm. things that we talked about before we jumped on um, that you may want to share with everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, where can people find you? And maybe a lasting message for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so where my focus is right now is I'm mainly just working on uh, helping people. You know, I've been working with a platform called Encourage X. Mm -hmm. The whole platform is about encouragement. It is about how we don't have enough encouragement, um, especially in the black community. There's not enough. Hey, man, I'm a brother's keeper. I got your back, man. You're doing great work. You're doing good work. Or, uh, hey, girl, you know, I see you working hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate your hard work. Keep going. You can do it. I know things may be tough. You know, all these kind of yeah. things that, that really matters, you know. What did we need most from our parents when we were kids? Encouragement. Yeah. That is, that is what encouragement and love is mostly what we need when we're younger. That doesn't go away as we're older. We still need encouragement. We still need mm. that same love. So I'm really excited to work on this platform for a way for people to easily encourage other individuals through uh, my focus is through uh, certain health needs. Love it. Uh, and also, um, I'm working on growing my own podcast, right? I want to create informed health consumers. So like we've done today in, in this discussion is basically what I've been doing a lot of is just trying to give people enough information about what is actually healthy and what's not for them to make informed decisions about their own health. I'm trying to give the, take the power somewhat out of the hands mm -hmm. of the providers and put it into the people so they can make rational informed decisions that's good so i was on a podcast guys and it's amazing i've listened to some episodes and this is even an inkling go subscribe right now um it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> what well, you're gonna you. get yeah thank you i appreciate it and some lasting words maybe for somebody um that is listening right now that you know just use one leave with somebody maybe yeah, a new book absolutely. that you've been reading whatever it might be that you want to share 
So I'll share kind of two quotes that I, that I really live by. And these are not exact quotes, so don't hammer me yeah. for this. But um, uh, Daniel Kahneman once said, nothing is as important as you think it is in that moment, right? And, and so this just goes to our, our sort of our hustle culture, our busy culture, where we just like, have to do this, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and we really lack prioritization. And so, you know, we talked about this on our podcast, but it's really is this something important now? Is it going to be important in three days, in three weeks, in three months? You know, once you start getting into that mindset, you can really take a lot of pressure off yourself. And the other one is uh, the space between stimulants and response is the space that we 100% own, right? Because I can't change what happens to me a lot of the times, but I can change what I, what I do about it. That's 100% yeah. me. And that space is your space for growth. So those are two of the principles that I, that I really strive to live by every single day. That's good. That's good. Guys, this has been an amazing episode. And I, I say this every single time um, that I jump on here and I truly enjoy the conversations and I bring my guests on intentionally because I feel like they have a voice, they have knowledge to share. And hopefully you guys have benefited from this from a mindset piece, also a health piece, specifically in the keto form. And uh, if you want to reach out to Doc, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on uh, Instagram or Twitter at Dr. Harris MD. That's Dr. Harris MD. Uh, also on my LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. I post a lot on there. And then my podcast is called the Strive for Great Health Podcast. Uh, it can be on uh, available on all platforms: iTunes, Spotify, everything. Our keto group is called Keto Connected. It's on Facebook. And uh, that's the easiest way to, to get a hold of me. And there's a lot of a wealth of resources that cost you nothing. The mm-hmm. upside is huge. Yeah. The upside yeah. is, is, is massive. There's a lot of great resources out there uh, from it. people like myself, from, from Brian, from other thought leaders who are all aligned, just trying to make the world a better place. Love it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Truly appreciate you. If you could give us a rating and review um, on Apple, that'd be wonderful. Uh, Let Dr. Harris know that you appreciated him and all the info. And uh, that just allows us to grow and keep providing messages and bringing on guests like him. So please, thank you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode.